Well, good morning. Come on now. Who's excited to be with us today? Come on. I know we're excited to be right there with you in your living room or in your vehicle or your car, or maybe you're re-watching this on a podcast somewhere, wherever you find yourself all over the world. Honestly, we just want to say thank you so much for allowing Better Life Church to speak into your heart and life today. We're really excited about this series that we have been in called The Way of Jesus. And if you missed it, let me just go ahead and give you a really quick uh, recap on week one, we talked about, hey, you can follow Jesus, that you can follow him, that he's called you, he chose you, and that you can become a disciple of Jesus, a disciple, someone who's an apprentice, someone who mimics and mocks Jesus. You have the power because of the Holy Spirit to do that. So if you missed that, I want to encourage you to go back and check that out. Week two, we talked about that it, there's a cost in following Jesus that you've got to count the cost if you want to come after and be his apprentice, be his disciple and follow Jesus. And we talked about we must count the cost because there's a cost when it comes to following Jesus. I wanna encourage you to go back and check that out as well. And then on week three, we talked about in John chapter 15. In fact, we're gonna go back to John uh, chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, Grab your notebook, whatever you may want to do. Go back to John chapter 15. And if you really want to go ahead, you could go to Joshua chapter 1 if you just want to put your finger there. If not, no big deal. You can just put them down in your notes. You can read those later. But in John 15, we talked about that uh, we are to prove that we are a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And we do that by abiding, by remaining in Him. Remember, we're the branch. He's the vine. All we got to do is stay connected to Jesus. And what does the Bible say? We will produce fruit. And when we produce fruit from our life, that will prove to the world that we are followers of Jesus, that we are, 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 are coming after him. We are his disciples. We also talked about that fruit's not for you. The fruit that you bear for your life is really for other people to see. When you're patient, they see your patience. When you so, have self-control, they see your self-control. When you are loving, they see the love and the joy and the peace that you have. And here's what happens. They will want it. And so the fruit that we bear to our life is often to multiply, right? And so that other people could see Jesus in us, that we are absolutely, truly following after him. So if you've missed any of those three weeks in the time of this series, Way of Jesus, please go back, check it out. Last week, we took a break, Mother's Day. Come on, moms, come on. Everybody look at your mom if they're with you right now and say, Mom, happy Mother's Day again. Why? Because every day should be Mother's Day. Where in the world would we be if it wasn't for our moms? We love our moms. Guys, thank you so much, moms, for all that you do, for all the kids and everything else. We just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But last week was probably, honestly, my favorite Mother's Day. And yes, we didn't get to meet together, but I'm telling you what, I love the series. I, I love how the creative team, they just killed it. They put together a beautiful piece uh, uh, from a story from our kids director all the way to our living room or our worship leader to Shari King sharing the message of how moms and Moses, well, something they have in common, and she spoke it to your life. So moms, hopefully that you were encouraged last week and you allowed that to speak it to your life. And now as we continue back with the way of Jesus, the next three weeks, I'm going to, going to tell you, the next three weeks will be very practical. Like how do I practically follow Jesus? How do I mimic Jesus? How do I become his apprentice? Like, like if I'm going to be a disciple, a true disciple, not just say, hey, what's up? I'm a Christian. You know, look at me, all this stuff. I got a, you know, a cross on my chain. You know, I mean, I am a disciple, a follower of the way. That was the name of the early church in the book of Acts, the way, the way of Jesus. I'm, I'm a follower of him. Like the world sees that I'm different. I love what the King James Version says that we're peculiar 
people, right? We're just supposed to look different from the world. And when the world sees us, they know, you know what? That girl, that guy, they follow Jesus. So what are some practical steps? What are some things that I can do? Because we're all about application, right? Because application brings the transformation in your life. What are some steps? What are some things I can do if I really want to truly follow after Jesus? Or honestly, what are some things that I must do? Like, what are some things I must do in my life? And that's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. Now, the mission of Better Life Church is to help you take next steps and follow Jesus so that you can experience a better life. We exist to help people follow after Jesus, become his apprentice, become his disciple. And we believe that a disciple is someone who takes steps, they follow after Jesus. All of us have next steps to take. And when we do that, we would experience this abundant life, this full life, this better life than we've ever dreamed of. So our goal is to help you take next steps, no matter where you are across the world, whether you're online watching this, whether eventually when we get back into the house and we worship together, uh, we're going to do everything we can to help you take next steps. So there's something I want to walk through with that. When you see uh, our logo, my, my son Logan, he made this for me. Uh, back, oh goodness gracious, three years ago, he made this to me. He said, Dad, would you put this up in your office when you move into the new church building? I said, absolutely, son. Uh, so thank you, Logan, so much for making this for me. One of my biggest encouragers. I don't know what I'd do without him. So I, I want to go through this with you real quick because some of you look at the logo and you think, is that a barcode? <laughs> like scan, you know, and I, I don't know. So ooh, that was the coffee. But what, what exactly does this actually mean? So the reason why we have this, you know, yes, you can look at steps, and it's not like a ladder. You can take steps up. I guess you can step that way. But really, here's what I want to share with you, is that every time you take a step in following Jesus, watch this, your perspective gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Every time you take a step in following Jesus, it changes your perspective. Let me give you an example. Some of you right now. Maybe for you, you never stepped foot before here in Better Life Church as far as in the building because we haven't been in the building for several weeks. And you've been watching online and you're like, man, I heard about the church. I just don't know about it, but let's catch one of the services. You've been watching the service. Like, hey, it's not that bad. You know, it's not what I thought it was going to be. And your perspective changed. And then you, you, you step in, you come in someday when the doors open back up and you come in and next thing you know, like, wow, this is crazy. They got a great kids ministry. The kids is awesome. Everything's great. The youth is great. The worship's great. Man, this is, this is, the, place, this is the place I want to begin to raise my family. Guess what happens? Your perspective changes. And then one day, so, you know, I, pr- I preach the gospel. The gospel pricks your heart and you give your life to Jesus and you, he radically changed your life and now your eyes are open. Oh my gosh, my perspective, your perspective grows. And next thing you know, not only do I love Jesus, but I love the church and because I love the church, I want to serve people. Your perspective grows. And then for you, maybe it's like, man, not about serving me. I got to get as many people as I can to come to know Christ. And what happens, then next thing you know, your perspective changes. So what we like to say is this. We want you to learn about Jesus. We want you to love like Jesus. We want you to lead like Jesus. Folks, I just gave you the next three weeks. We want you to learn about Jesus. We want you to love others like Jesus. We want you to lead like Jesus. And that's when you come to a point where you're leading other people to follow Jesus, to become his disciple. Today, I want to talk to you about what does it mean to learn about Jesus? What does it look like to learn about him? So here's what we're going to do. I got a few scriptures, a couple pictures, and then I got a challenge for you at the end. I'm going to set all this up because there's really one point that I want to make to you. There's really one thing that I want you to be able to see. So if you're ready to get started, look at the person sitting beside you. If you're by yourself, say it out loud because no one's there. Just say, let's go. 
Since no one's in here, I'm gonna say it with me. Let's go. All right, here we go. John chapter 15. Remember, we were there a couple weeks ago. Let's go back to John 15 because I, I wanna focus on this, on this passage right here, this one word, and then uh, I wanna share some stories from the scripture and make a point and challenge you. So John 15, starting in verse seven, the Bible says, if you abide in me, you stay connected, you remain. Remember, it's the picture of a, of a branch in a vine. You stay connected, and if you'll stay connected, you'll bear fruit. You remain in Christ. What's that mean? How do you do that? And then here's what I want to look at. And my words abide in you. What's that mean? Like, how does God's word, his words, plural, abide in me, remain in me? If I remain in him, his words remain in me. I'm going to focus on that. He says, if that happens, look what he says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Whatever you want, it will be done for you. For my Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. Why does God want you to bear fruit? Keep reading. So that you will prove to be my apprentice, to be my follower, to be a disciple of the way of Jesus himself. So here's my question. How can I abide and remain in God's word? Like, I mean, think about that. Like all the time, how do I abide in God's word? You know, I can't do that. Some of you are about to get ready to go back to work, and now you got to go to work, and you work 40, 50, 60 hours a week, and, and you have kids, and like us, we have four kids, and we're spread out all over the place, and, and we're running all over the roads. How can I abide in God's Word? Like, how does it remain in me? How does it stay in me? So I'm going to share with you a few scripture, and then we'll make a point, and then we'll wrap, wrap this thing up. Back in Numbers chapter 15, God told Moses this. Now, roughly 3,000 years ago or so, somewhere around through there, God told Moses this. Lord said, verse 37, Numbers 15, verse 37, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel. So God says, Moses, go speak to my people. Tell them that they and all their children to come are to make tassels, a tassel, like a ta make a tassel, a tassel for themselves on the corners of their clothing. And they are to put a blue rope on the tassel of each corner, and it will be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the laws of the Lord and to do them. Now, now think about this, think about it. God, you want me to sew a tassel on my garment that I'm gonna wear around 24 seven, absolutely. You mean a visual aid 24 seven, absolutely. And God's like, I don't only want you just to wear one, I want you to wear four of them. Like what? Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 12. You must put four tassels on the fringe, on the hem, on the edges of the cloak with which you will cover yourself on the front and on the back and on the sides. And I want you to do this for all generations to come. <laughs> now, now think about it. I, probably this is maybe where like um, where we got like in the late 90s or early 90s somewhere the WWJD bracelet right that's our tassel <laughs> we're to wear our WWJD bracelet to remind us what would Jesus do like if I'm that point going what would Jesus do I'm probably too late for me <laughs> you know what I'm saying I'm probably way too far gone like I have to have a reminder to remind me what would Jesus do you know all this stuff God said tell the Israelites to make these tassels to sew the tassels, now don't, don't miss this, this is very important. I'm gonna share with you a Hebrew word here. On the corner 
of their garment. The corner of the garment, that word corner, is kanaf. Now, everybody look at the person sit beside you and, and say it like you're trying to clear your throat. Go, kanaf. Like, say it like you're trying to clear your throat, right? Kanaf. Kanaf means corner. I want you to sew a tassel on the kanaf, on the corner of your talit, at your garment that you wear. I want you to put one on your right and your left and your back and your front and all the way around. So these four, so when you see the tassel hanging down, it is to remind you of my ways and my law and for you to obey them. It's a daily reminder for you to abide, to you keep the words in you, that you to know them that much. Are you kidding me? Like imagine, you think that would get in the way? You're trying to garden or you're trying to farm or you're riding on a donkey. Like, oh, I got to, you know, what's up? It's a tassel. Like, you got to move it. Don't, don't rip it off because my tassel is a symbol that I am following God's command. I am in his will. I'm in his word. I'm obeying him. It's an identity piece to me. So I want the whole world to see my tassel. So I have a picture. I didn't have one. I was going to get one and bring it up on stage. But I have a picture for you guys at home. I want you to look at this. So here's what the tassel looked like. In fact, this is what they actually were today as we speak, 3,000 years later. Here's tassel. There was four of them. And here's what you got to understand about the Hebrew language. Every word, every letter in the Hebrew has a numerical value. And there's something very significant about this tassel. If you look at the tassel, there's five knots in the tassels. Why? Because it represents the first five books of Moses, of the Torah. There's four spaces in between. Why? Because it represents God's name, Yahweh, and how they spell it, which they won't even pronounce it because they're afraid they say it wrong and be irreverent to, or irreverence to God. Then if you take the strands of the tassel and you do the numerical value, there's 613 of them. Why? Because it represents the 613 commands that God gave the Israelites. What? And you want me to wear these 24-7 as a visual aid on my tallit, on my garment, to remind me of your word, of the 613 laws, which, by the way, I'm required to memorize. Are you kidding me? 613 laws out of the five first books of the Bible. Now you see the importance. Like, why would God, why, why is this, why, why, God wants to have you something to remind you of his law and his word, that you should eat this thing daily, you should spend time with it, that you should be in this and be uh, aware of my presence, of my protection and your identity to me. Now, when we look at the English language, English is considered, I have a point, just hang tight, just hang tight, we'll, we'll get somewhere. The English Language is considered a rich language. And what do you mean by rich? Rich means there are so many words. There are roughly 171,000 English words. Can you believe that? 171,000 English words. And if you're an average person, the average person has about 20,000 of them memorized. They know about 20,000 words. That's crazy. That's insane. I don't even think I know 20,000 words. But we only use about two to 5,000 of them consistently over and over and over. So, hey, if you're a pretty average guy or girl, guess what? You know 20,000 words. You should pat yourself on the back. That's pretty good. However, there's 171,000 words in the English language. It's a very rich, rich language. Hebrew is considered a poor language. Poor not that the words that have no value or meaning are not rich. Poor is that there's not many of them. In the biblical Hebrew day, there were only 7,000 Hebrew words. 7,000. Today in modern Hebrew, there's 33,000 Hebrew words. In comparison, it's very poor compared to an English translation or English verbs or English words. 
So because there's not a lot of Hebrew words, most, if not all, Hebrew words have multiple meanings. They have double meanings. So what one word that you may say in this context means this, you can use the exact same word in another context and mean something else. For instance, kanaf. Look at the person sit beside you, say kanaf, say it. Corner, garment. There's something unique about this. The word kanaf not only translates to be corner, it also translates to mean wings. So when you think of a, the bird's wings, you think of the bird's kanaf. Now, the bird don't have corners because it don't wear garments. But in Hebrew, the same word has two different meanings depending on the context. One is the corner of a garment. The one is under the wings or the wings of a, of, of a bird or an eagle or whatever it may be. And so what God told them to do is to sew a tassel on a on their kanaf, on their wings. Now, you don't sew them on the wings. Why would you think a picture of a wing? Why would you think it would be wing? Well, I have another picture I wanna share with you. Check out this picture right here. It's a little Jewish boy who's putting on his talit, his prayer cloth. And I want you to look at it as he spreads this. This is exactly what they wore. Not the same one because I'm sure the, the fabric wore out and you had to wash it and stuff. But the makeup is identical to this. Now, watch this. They would put this on and then they would spread it out. And if you could see, it would spread their wings of their talit, of the garment. And I want you to look at, if you can look closely, you may not be able to see it, but hanging on this little boy's talit, on his, on his garment, is a tassel. Even today, they still attach their four tassels on the four corners, the kanaf of their garments that they wear. Here's a picture of a little Jewish boy who's spreading out his, look at his wings, his kanaf. You can see it on the corner, and you can see it looks like wings. Now, come back. Psalms 91.4, Psalms 91, hands down, favorite Psalms, favorite Psalms, Psalms 91, maybe my favorite chapter in all the Bible. At least that's just personal how God's used it in my own life for the last 10 years. But in Psalms 91 verse 4, it says, He will shelter you, watch this, with His kanaf, with His wings. Like God is like a, like, Will, will fly over you and he will, like a mother hen, he will take you with his wings and his wings will protect you and you will find safety in his corner, in his kanaf, same Hebrew word, same picture here, and his faithfulness will shield you and protect you. Watch this. We are under God's kanaf, under his protection, when we follow him, when we trust him, when we obey in him. I love what Psalms 91.1 says. It says, as for you, the one who lives in the shelter of the Most High, what do you mean? The one who lives in the secret place, the one who lives under his kanaf, his wings. Folks, let me show you a picture of modern today of the Welling Wall. Look at this picture. Do you see what they've done? They have taken their outer garment, their talit, spread like wings and hovered them over themselves. Now watch this. The picture you're seeing right now is their secret place. Why? Because it represents God's wings and the kanafs. His law is in front of them, all 613, dangling right there with the tassels to remind them of the first five books of the Bible and the, and the four space in between of God, of Yahweh, of who he truly is. This was the secret place. And in this moment was a symbol and a picture of God's refuge and hiding place. Now, fast forward to the New Testament. When it says, go into your prayer closet, this is what you just saw the picture of what would be considered their prayer closet. They would take their outer garment, 
their prayer cloth, the tallits, and they would spread it over them like this, and then they would hover it as God's protection in the secret place, and they would go to their heavenly Father, and they would pray. Now, I know what you're, some of you are saying. Why in the world are you sharing all this? I mean, thank you for the, I mean, that's pretty cool. You know, I didn't know that. You know, thanks for sharing that. Why is it? A couple more stories, and then I get to my point. So now let's fast forward from Moses to Saul and David. Now, you may not heard of Saul, but you probably heard of David. Remember King David? David, you, you know, uh, 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 you know, fought lions and bears and all this. I mean, David and Goliath, that you probably heard of that if you don't know. But long story short, David was just like this little sheep boy. He's like on a farm. He's a farmer. And God came and said, guess what? You're going to be king. However, there's already another king. And the crazy thing is David becomes a worship leader, basically, for, for King Saul. He plays the harp with them. And he sings. He becomes a warrior. He becomes best friend with Saul's son, Jonathan. They become best friends. Crazy, awesome story, a great picture of friendship. Saul becomes jealous of David. And Saul tries to kill David. So David, he doesn't, he's a mighty warrior. He could take Saul out. I mean, it's ultimate fighting. If you want to see that, I don't watch that. But if you ever want to watch that, like, you know, UFC, you know, David, he's the man. I'd bet on him all the time because he, he's, I don't bet, but if I did, I would, you know, he's the man. You know, he, 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 nobody's going to take out David. But David didn't go after Saul, even though Saul sought to kill him. So David one day was hiding in a cave with his men. This is a crazy story. First Samuel chapter 24. And David's in the back of the cave, and he's hiding with his men. And guess who wanders in the cave? King Saul. And King Saul wanders in the cave because the Bible clearly and very nicely says he wanted to relieve himself. He wanted to go to the bathroom. So we'll just leave it right there. We'll just, just leave it right there. We won't get into the details of that. So you can imagine the Bible says that Saul, he takes his outer garment, his tallit, off, and he lays it on a rock, and he goes to the bathroom. Well, at this moment, David's men said, this is the time for you to pounce on him like a lion. Take him out, take him out. You can become king. You can become God's anointing one. God's protection's on you. Go and get him. Pick up and you see this, 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 4. Hey, the men said, now's your opportunity, David. Now, they said, they whispered to him, today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do as you wish. So David crept up, and that's kind of spooky, right? He's using the bathroom. David crept up, and he didn't kill him, but watch this. He cut off the piece of the hem of Saul's robe. What do you think he cut off? The kanaf, the tassel. What's supposed to be a signature piece of God's protection on you? that you're following God's command for him to take that tassel and cut the corner, cut the corner of his cloak, the corner of the tallit, the corner of the kanaf with the tassel, cut it off as a symbol that says, Saul, you are not doing what God's called you to do. You're not even obeying God. Why do you need a tassel to remind you of what's going on? In fact, you're not even God's protection anymore because he brought you right into this cave and I can take you out right now. This is all going through David's mind. How do I know that? Because David has a mental breakdown. David goes back to his men and says, I cut off the corner of his hem. Here it is, here it is. The men's like, why didn't you kill him? You had a chance to take him out. He's trying to kill you. Why don't you kill him? And he says this, why would I step in and kill God's anointed one? Who am me? Who, like, who am I to say that I'm gonna take God's protection from him, God's identity? Who am I to judge his heart by removing his tassel, his kanaf, the corner of his robe? And if you follow the rest of the story, Saul goes out, not even know that his tassel's missing. 
gets down the hill and David comes out of the cave and says, King Saul, my Lord, I could have took you out. I could have ambushed you. My guys back here, they told me to. Better be thankful I'm not listening to them. But let me tell you what I did do. I cut off the corner of your garment. I could have got you, bro. I could have got you. But you know what? Who am I to come up against the God's anointed? Who am I to remove God's protection from you? Who am I to say you're not keeping the Torah, that you're not following the commands? That's not on me. I'm going to wipe my hands from this moment. That's not going to happen to me. Just won't let you know that, Saul. Saul says, you know what? Obviously, you're going to be king. And when you become king, please keep, no, don't take my family tree and my family line, you know, protect them and all that stuff. Obviously, God's with you. His protection's on you because he realized that his life could be taken away. Now, I want you to don't miss that. Go to the New Testament. Jesus is on his way to heal a little girl. This little girl, she's 12 years old. She's dying. She's sick. She's ill. The crowds are pressing all around Jesus. They're touching him. They're all over the place. And there's this woman who had an issue of bleeding. Frankly, she'd had a period for 12 years, the text tells us. For 12 years. She's had this issue. This is a very, very, very big issue because when you look at the law, when you look back, when they're on your menstrual cycle, a woman has an issue of bleeding. They're unclean at that moment, and because of that, you can't touch them. They're not allowed to come to the temple, and for 12 years, this woman had an issue of bleeding. Now, watch this. That means if she had children, can't touch them. If she has a husband, can't touch them. If she has a family member, she can't hug them. Like, you think right now we got this social distance and stuff back. When you had this issue in this context, in this situation, you were outcast. People see you walking down the aisle, they would move the other way. That's one thing about masks right now you can wear around. Nobody knows who you are. <laughs> so right now, I can go shopping right now. Nobody knows who I am. Right? And put a hat on, a mask, nobody knows. Incognito. Come in and come out. But you imagine? She, everywhere she goes, unclean. Don't touch her. Stay away from her. For 12 years, this woman was ridiculed by society, never to been touched. And watch this, please don't miss, and never stepped foot in the temple, never stepped foot in the place where they believed God's presence was, never was allowed to sit around at the feet of, of a rabbi or a master or a teacher and learn about God's word. She had to do this all on her own. The Bible also lets us know she cast in her 401k, she cast in her retirement, cast in everything she had. And she tried her best to spend every bit of her money to heal herself. She went to every single doctor. She went to every single situation. She spent, 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 spent all of her money, and nothing would heal her. However, she heard about Jesus. And she heard that Jesus was coming through town, and she put her outer garment over her face so no one would recognize her. Because if people would have recognized her creeping up and coming up to Jesus... They would have said, unclean, unclean, stay away, and the crowd would have went away from her, but she had to secretly find her way to Jesus. So she finds a way. She's crawling through the crowds. No one recognizes her. She gets close to Jesus, and the Bible tells us, I want you to see this, in Luke 8, verse 44, coming up behind Jesus, she touched the friends, the hem, the kanaf, the corner where the tassel is. She grabs it. She touches it of his robe immediately the bleeding stopped. Now, the word friends there in the Greek, if you look at the Septuagint and you go back in Hebrew, it means kanaf, it means the corner. This is where Jesus, you saw the, the prayer shawl he had, the tallit he had on. He would walk around and his tassel would hang off of it. 
Remember the, the Pharisees, they would walk around with their prayer robes, but they would make their tassels so long that the tassels would drag the ground so people would look at them and think, wow, you are really, really righteous because you have your WWJD tassels on. That's what they would say. And they wanted to walk around so people would see how religious they are. But this woman crawls up to Jesus and she touches the tassel, the kanaf, the corner, the hem of his cloak. And then Jesus says, someone touched me. What do you mean someone touched you, Jesus? There's a crowd all around you. People are pressing around. Come on, we got to get to the little girl. She's 12 years old. She's dying. We got to get there. You got to heal her. No, no. Someone touched me because healing power just zapped through me. What do you mean? No, there was a healing. There was a healing took place. Healing power came through me. Out my, watch this, kanaf, the tassel. Someone touched me. And Jesus would not stop until the woman came forth, and the woman was healed instantly. She knew. She knew. Something changed. She knew immediately the blood. It dried up. Something changed instantly within her. And then Jesus says something in Luke 8, 48. I don't have time to get into this, but he said, daughter, daughter. He called her daughter. This was amazing. You talk about restoring her. You're talking about being for, for, for ladies. He restored her publicly by calling her Daughter, I wish I had time to jump in that. But he calls her daughter, said to her, your faith, your faith did it. You may grab the, the kanaf, you may grab the tassel, you may touch the hem of the cloak, but I want you to know it was your faith that motivated you. It was your faith that healed you. Now go in peace. And she was healed. So here's my question. Why did she touch the tassel? Why didn't she come up to Jesus? Most likely probably had a satchel or like a purse that maybe he carried around. That was something they would carry. Why didn't she touch that? Why didn't she touch his belt that tied his robe around? And said, why didn't she come? I go, fist bump. Come on, Jesus, give me a fist bump and I'll be healed. Just give me a fist bump. Why didn't she come by and just tap him on the shoulder? Why didn't she come by and just brush into him accidentally? Why did she get down on her hands and knees on her face and bow before him and grab the, the kanaf, the tassel? Why did she do that? Now, I don't want you to miss this because Moses told them that they're to sow this. And I don't want you to picture that Jesus is wearing an outer garment with tassels on it, just like any of the Pharisees, like anybody else in that day would have wore, which tells you about Jesus. What did Jesus do? Jesus lived the text. He lived out the text. He did exactly what the text told him to do. That's another whole, whole message. We'll get to that later. But what does it tell you about the woman? Why did she grab Tassel, Malachi, the prophet Malachi in the Old Testament. And for 400 years, silence before John the Baptist comes up on the scene. 400 years. And in Malachi, the last prophet, in chapter four, verse two, says this. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, which is a messianic term, which is the Christ, which is the Lord, which is the Messiah, which is Jesus, when the son of righteousness, it's S-U-N, there's connection there. I could talk to you about that later. But the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his what? Say it at home, say it aloud. In his what? In his what? In his kanaf in his wings, in his tassel, 
at the corner of the garment of the Messiah, there is healing power in his wings and you will go free leaping with joy like calves let out of a pasture. Now you say, what does this have to do? What in the world does this mean? What does it say about the woman? Come on, come on. What does it say about her? What does it say about this woman? Let me tell you what it says about her. She knew the text. She knew the Bible. She knew the scripture. She's been an outcast for 12 years. She was not allowed in the temple. She couldn't sit around and listen to people talk about the Torah, about the Bible, but she knew the text. And because she knew the text, she knew by faith this must be the Messiah. And the text says that there is healing power in his kanaf. So she gets on her hands and knees and she has faith to believe he's the son of righteousness. And because of her faith, she comes a point of contact, exactly what the text says. She knew the text. Here's my question to you. Do you know the text? Do you know the text? Would you have known the text? Would you have studied the text and observed the text so much that when this opportunity came your way, you were, will, you were able to trust God and take him at his promise and at his faith because you knew the text. She knew the text. And because of that, if you abide in my word, the text, and my word abides in you, the text, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So my, my question is, are, are we really abiding in the text? Do we really know the text? And I'm speaking to myself too. Do you know the text? Have you become a student of the text? How do we expect to follow Jesus and to know Jesus if we don't study about Jesus? If you're gonna be his apprentice, if you're gonna, if you're gonna be his pupil, his disciple, then you need to know everything you can find out and figure out about Jesus. You need to know the text. Real quickly, Joshua chapter one, verse seven. I want you to listen to what it says. Moses just died. Joshua obviously is afraid and he's scared. We know this because God tells him several times, don't be afraid, be courage, have courage, don't be afraid, have courage. I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. I want you to hear what he says. Moses died, Joshua's now the new leader. Verse seven, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you and do not turn from the right or to the left so that you may be successful wherever you go. You wanna be successful? Don't turn away from God's word. That's his promise. Keep reading. Keep the book of law always on your lips Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Listen, you want to be prosperous and successful? Do you want to be prosperous and successful? Look what he says. Don't let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Obey it. Keep it. Know the text so you can live it out. And if you do, I'll bless you. You will be successful. Have I not commanded you this? Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Real quickly. He says, don't turn to the left or to the right. What is he saying? Don't depart from my word. 
know what the problem is with most people who claim to follow Jesus? We don't know the text. We don't know his word. We've departed from him. We've got distracted. We're more concerned about maybe what we're making at work or or the accolades or what people think about us or how many likes I got on Facebook or did I get the promotion? I get the job. I got the best degree. What does people think about me? We could go on. We've departed from the text. We're more focused of the things of the world than the text. He says, if you want to be prosperous and successful, you better know the text. Get in the text. Don't let it depart from you. If you'll stay in the word, I will prosper you and you will be successful. Don't get sidetracked. He goes on and says, keep it on your lips, meditate it day and night. And if you do, you'll be successful. If you study the word and you meditate on the word. You know the difference between reading your Bible and studying your Bible? A pencil, a pencil. Most of us don't study our Bible, we read it. We'll read a three-minute devotion in the morning, God, that's all I need to go, and we'll forget the devotion, we don't think about it no more the rest of the day. It might have been good for the moment that we have it, but it's no longer in our minds, no longer in our lips, it's no longer we're meditating on it. And we think that's a suffice, that that's it. We need to become students of the Word. As an athlete trains for a game, you should be thinking of that. If we're going to be a disciple, an apprentice, we got to know everything there is about Jesus as best as we can on this side of heaven. How well do you know Jesus? Well, I know He came, He died, He got up out of the grave. That's great, because that'll save you right there. But as a disciple, what do you know about Jesus? How did he handle conflict? What did he say about marriage? How did he say handle your finances? What he talked about forgiving other people? Do you know him? Do you know how he responded? How did he respond to critics? Do you know your master, your Lord, your teacher, the one that you say you want to follow? How well do you know him? And I'm speaking to myself. Do we know the text? How well do we know it? And here's what's so fascinating about this that God's promise to you and success has nothing to do with your ability. Has everything though to do with your commitment to His Word. Your success has nothing to do with your ability. It's how committed you are to His Word. If I'm in His Word, I'm gonna know how to handle my marriage. If I'm in His Word, I'm gonna know how to run my business. If I'm in His Word, I'm gonna know how to pray through investments. If I'm in His Word, I'm gonna listen to what it says about parenting and teaching and giving and being generous and loving and forgiving. When we're out of it, we get sidetracked. I don't wanna forgive her. I'm gonna gossip about her. I'm gonna talk bad about them. I'm gonna hold grudge against them. Then you don't know your teacher. You don't know your master and you wanna follow him? You wanna know the ways of Jesus? And listen, I am preaching to myself. We need to become students of God's Word. Get a pencil and study it. Eat it, devour it. I love this, love this. He says this, don't let the book of law depart from your lips. Okay, does that mean I need to speak about it? What what does that mean? But then he goes on and says, meditate on it day and night. This is so fascinating. So I started looking up these words, these Hebrew words. Now, I took Hebrew when I was in seminary, but I got a C, so I'm not a good student. Trust me, I got a C in it. I don't know how I even got a C in it. I can, I don't, I, thank goodness we have software to help us dissect and pronounce words and all that stuff. I have no idea, no idea. So I started looking at it because I want to look at the meaning of the words. And the word meditate a lot of times, we think we get by ourselves and we focus and we think on it. And like a five minute, 10 minute, we ponder, meditate. Let's meditate on it. Think about it. Some of you right now, you're probably thinking about somebody going like this. I know it, my mind did that too. But you know what the word meditate means? It means to coo. It means to murmur. It means to growl. And Isaiah 31 uses the same exact word. He says, as a young lion murmurs, coos, growls at its prey, 
devours its prey, you should do that night and day. What's the Bible saying? What's the text says? When it comes to God's word, we should growl at it. We should want to tear it apart as a prey. We should want to dissect every single word, every single meaning, every single application. And we're to do this daily desire to coo, to speak it, to, to murmur it all throughout the day. How do you do that when you don't have God's word with you all the days? All throughout the days? You store it in your heart. And when the text is in you, You'll devour it. You'll think about it. You'll speak about it. Not just on Sunday morning when you show up. Not just for the three-minute quick devo that you do in the morning. It is something that's in you. And when my words abide in you, ask for whatever you want. Ask for whatever you wish. For my words are rich in you. You will produce fruit that will prove you're my disciple. How am I going to prove to the world I'm God's disciple? Devour His Word. Get in His Word. Become a student of His Word. Let's go back. What do we want you to do here at Bear Life Church? We want you to learn about Jesus. How are you going to do that? Get in His Word. Get in the Word of God. Study your Bible. Don't just, don't listen to the lies of the devil. I don't know where to start. I can't read God's word. It's just too big. It's too understand. I don't know. I don't understand it. No, 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 no. That's what the devil wants you to believe. Why? Because he knows that if you become a student of God's word and don't get off track, God will bless you. God will prosper you and you'll be successful in all that you do. And the devil knows it. That's why you can read countless chemistry books and blogs and all this stuff. But then you're like, I just don't know the Bible. Are you kidding me? That's what the devil wants you to believe. Get in God's Word. Become a student of the text. The woman with the issue touched the kanaf. Why? Because she knew the Word. Don't miss that. She knew the Word. And I want to, and I want you to know that Word just like that. I'm going to close with this verse. Because this only applies to Joshua. This applies to you too. And applies to me. But I'm going to close with this. Psalms 1. I want you to listen to this. The joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. There's so much joy if you're not a part of that, when you don't get off God's word and just distract it. But they delight in the law of the Lord and the precepts and his word, growling, murmuring, cooing, devouring God's Word, as sweet as honey is to our lips, is God's Word, the text says. Devouring day and night, not just for a moment, not just a quick read. I mean, thinking of God's Word, in God's Word, thinking of God's presence in my life. And if I would do that, look at the promise. They're like trees planted along riverbanks, bearing fruit. Well, that sounds familiar. In each season. When I remain in his word and I devour the text, my life will begin to bear fruit. Because now God's word begins to shape my thoughts and my mind. Not what the media says. Not what the world says. Not what myself will say to myself because myself will lie to me. My flesh will lie to me. But now what God's word says, because I can call up God's word and because God's word is in me, there's peace. There's patience. There's goodness, there's gentleness, there's self-control. Why? Because when I abide in His Word, there'll be fruit. You know what the problem is? Honestly, for Christians across the world, we're not in the Word. We've departed from it. We'll be like rivers planted 
We will bear fruit. Their leaves will never wither. They'll be successful. Not my words. They will prosper in all that they do. Watch this. When you stay in the text. I'm going to ask if you would just to bow your head just for a moment. Now, some of you might be thinking right now, oh, goodness, I don't read my Bible enough and I don't study enough and I don't know language in Greek and Hebrew. You don't have to. You don't have to. What do I do? We're all about taking next steps here at Better Life Church. And so I have a challenge for you. Here's my challenge. We have some resources on our website on how to soap. Soap is not just the only way to do some devotions and studies and stuff, but it's one way. You do get a pencil. You do write out scripture. You write out some observations. You write out some application. You write out a prayer. There's so many ways you can learn how to study your Bible. You can Google it. How do I study my Bible for beginners? There's thousands and thousands of ways and Bible readings and all this stuff to study your Bible. Listen to me. You got to find what works for you. What works for you? How do you learn? That's, you got to find how you are wired. But let me share this with you. Here's my challenge to you. If we want to follow Jesus, if we want to know about Jesus, if we want to mimic Jesus, we want to become like Jesus, please hear me, we need to know Jesus. And the best way to learn about Jesus is get in his word. So here's my challenge. For the next 30 days, there's not a reading plan. You're going to do this on your own. Why? Because you, that's part of growing and maturing and becoming a disciple. It's like, listen, I don't, I don't, I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to follow after Jesus. For the next 30 days, I want you to grab the book of Matthew. And I want you to divide up Matthew how you want to do it. And that's what you're going to study. Why? Because as soon as you get down to the book of Matthew, I know I'm laying this out, but if you're watching this, here's what I want you to do. I want you to move to the book of Mark. When you study that for the next 30 days, I want you to study the book of Luke. After you study Luke for the next 30 days, I want you to study the book of John. Now, why do you want me to do Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Because that's where we learn so much about Jesus, how he responded to people, how he walked with people, how he treated people, what he said to people. And if we want to become like Jesus, we got to know him. We need to learn about him. We need to study him. And then after this, I know that's four months from now. You're like, four months? I'm not going to think about it. And here's what I want you to do in four months. What do I do after that? Go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And over the next 12 months, you'll go through the Gospels. Watch this. Is that amazing? Three times. If you say you want to follow Jesus, but you don't study about Jesus, how are you going to? That doesn't mean you can't read other parts of your Bible and read some Psalms and Proverbs. That's great. I'm talking about you studying it. You're going to devour this part because I got to learn about Jesus. He's my master. He's my Lord. He's my teacher. And I want to become like him. And if that's true, and if that's what you want, you better know him. So let's jump in his text. Let's, let's, let's learn the text. Watch this so we can live the text to the people around us. And maybe for you, your first step of knowing Jesus is surrendering and giving your life to him. You could do that right now. You could cry out to him and say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. I believe you got out of the grave right now for me. If that's you, you can do that right now. Whether you're driving, sitting, listening, on a treadmill, doesn't matter. You can give your life to Jesus. Just cry out to him. Say, Jesus, I believe. I repent of my sin. I'm going to put my faith and trust in you. 
Now help me devour and study and growl and murmur and meditate on your word for the rest of my life. And I believe the Holy Spirit will, will be more than welcome to answer that prayer request as you get in the text. If that's you, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to grab your phone if you just pray with me. And I want you to text the word LIFE to 606-268-9436. If that's you right now and you prayed that, grab your phone, text LIFE to 606-268-9436. You can email me, pastor at betterlife.church. Let me know. We want to rejoice with you. And listen, we're going to have some resources. They're on our website now. We're going to figure out, help you. If you need help and getting in the text, let us know. We want to help you do that. Because if we're going to follow Jesus, we got to know him. We got to learn about him. And that's the first thing we ask you to do at Bear Life Church is to learn about Jesus. So come on, let's jump in the text. Let's learn about our Savior, our Messiah, our Master, our Teacher, our Lord, who we have been called to mimic. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for how relevant and true it is today. A story we learned about 3,000 years ago. <laughs> how were we to reminded of your ways and your word and who you are. I pray, Lord, that your words will be on the tips of our tongue. That we will meditate day and night. That we will devour your word because it's sweet as honey to our lips. I pray for those, Lord, who believe and they can't learn the text or know the text. I pray right now that you will rebuke the enemy's lie, that you will break that stronghold of deception and allow them to realize that they can become a student of your word. I pray for those who right now the enemy is trying to beat up for not studying their Bible. They may have been a Christian for 30 years but feel like they haven't really studied the Bible. God, I love you because today's a new day. Your mercy and grace is new every day. So today, Lord, we start over today. We make a commitment today. No matter what's happened in my past, no matter if I've been saved for 40 years, but now today I'm going to start studying your word. That's great. Today's a new day. And today we get to start over and follow after you. I pray that you would place a hunger, a deep desire to know you more and to learn the text and to learn about your son Jesus. For it's in his name we ask and we pray. Everybody sitting at home and everybody said. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Better Life Church. If you'd love to discover more about how you can take your next step with Christ, we'd love for you to visit betterlife.church slash next steps. There you will find help and resources for whatever step God has for you. If you enjoyed this message, we'd love for you to subscribe and be part of our community. You can also join us live on Sundays or find more resources at betterlife.church. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.